Hello folks and welcome back to another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker Fan Podcast where we try to be sweet, but at times we get salty. I am your host, Ken. And hello folks, I am your host, Scott. And we are here with our buddies from the Husker Cuzcast. This is a Herd at Sports crossover podcast, if you will. We are proud. We are both of our shows are proud members of the Herd at Sports Network. We appreciate all that they do for us. And it's been a fun partnership with those guys. Um, but we're here with Husker Cuzcast. We are going to reveal the results of the 2023 over-under game. But before we do that, Maybe some, I've been in Arizona with family, as you can see, I'm not in my studio, uh, hanging out in Arizona. My, my mom and dad are celebrating their 60th anniversary on December 6th. If they happen to watch this or listening to the podcast later, happy anniversary, mom and dad. Love you very much. Um, and, uh, so we're, we're down here hanging out until tomorrow. We need to leave to head back to Nebraska, but, uh, this Airbnb is pretty nice. It's got a pool outside the window. I had threatened Justin, earlier yesterday that maybe I'd do the show from the pool and I didn't bring swim trunks. So that might've been awkward for everybody viewing. Uh, but I don't know. I haven't paid attention to any of the news that may have broke earlier today. Tyler, I think you might have an opinion on some of that news. What was it? Well, the college football committee has officially come out with the final four for the playoffs and the four teams are going to be Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. And uh, oh my gosh, I I am furious with this decision. So I, I could point to all the reasons why they got in. And I think we all know it's about ratings. It's about money. There, there is no justified reason. But when you talk about Alabama this year, like there are years where I understand some SEC bias. The SEC traditionally has been the best conference over the last you know six, seven, eight years. They're not this year. They're not the best conference this year. Pac-12 is better. Big 10 is better. So this is not a dominant SEC team uh, or uh, SEC conference. And then you look at what Alabama did. Not only did they lose their one meaningful non-conference game, they barely beat Auburn. And yes, they had an impressive victory against Georgia, who is also in the SEC. It's It's just a counter argument. And then you have Florida State. And the argument that the committee says is because of the quarterback injury is why they're not in. And I do not believe for one second if Alabama's quarterback was injured and they were undefeated, they would be left out. Georgia, same thing. I mean, you could argue some other teams in that scenario. This this is bullshit. This is bullshit. I agree. I, I think it's ridiculous yeah. that Go ahead. Alabama – like. I understand years past. Like, let's say there's an Alabama team that's 11 and one going into their championship game and they win, but they win all of their games in the regular season convincingly mm-hmm. and maybe drop a game off against a, a good LSU team or a, you know, a, a, when Florida's or Auburn's are doing better, they lose against them. Like, I totally understand that, but they barely beat South Florida. They had a really, really hard time against a, a downtrodden Texas AM, played against a bad, like, played close against a Arkansas team. I mean, you can just go down the list. They just have had a really, really lackluster season. They aren't the Alabamas that we remember of the past. They're, they're definitely one of the least impressive Alabama teams that I've seen in recent history. And they just get in simply because of SEC bias. I know that it's such a, such a, a normative term, SEC bias, blah, 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 ruffles feathers, all that shit. But, Seriously, like there's no reason to leave an undefeated team that wins their conference championship out like power five team. Like you don't leave an undefeated power five team out of the out of the college football playoff for a for a team that lost a regular season game against a a, a non-conference opponent. Like that's that's inexcusable. I don't care. Like when I'm looking at the eye test, yeah. Florida State doesn't look that great without Jordan Travis as their starting quarterback. And they're mm-hmm. at their third string quarterback now, freshman, true freshman, 18 year old kid. Um, that's still inexcusable. I, I mean, I know you can play the mental gymnastics if you want, but freaking quit pulling a hamstring trying to, <laughs> trying to suck the dick of the <laughs> SEC. Like, it's, it's, it's just beyond frustrating at this point. Like, I knew this was going to happen. I, I knew it. Uh, after last night, 
or really just leading up to the the conference championship weekend if the cards fell the way that they that they actually did i was like there's a very very high likelihood that alabama squeezes in over uh florida state if uh if a few teams lose ahead of them and that's exactly what happened and it's just like huh, i fucking knew it sorry about all my language but i'm pissed like i wanted yeah, to see one i wanted to see an sec list college football playoff that would have just been mwah, so cool um it just i mean i just feel so bad what what else can florida state do what are they supposed to do like you you just proved that even with a third string quarterback you can still go out and play a very very ugly game dude i was watching that that uh that acc championship and the fact that that florida state i don't know if you guys watched this but like there was like a botched punt they are inside of the red zone, Louisville, and that Florida State defense, which has been pretty damn good this year, really shows up in in an outstanding way. I think I think that drive ended with an interception in the end zone, like, and then they just they they just did not allow Jeff Brom and company to do anything, and it's like it's a it's a like at anything you have to let them in with that outstanding defensive performance alone. Like you are just spitting and giving the dick to their defensive performance, yep. and it's just yep. so whatever <laughs> who else has a strong opinion go ahead well, I, i'll say this this is just another excuse for the for this uh committee and i know the committee is not the same every year but it started off with we can't let a big 12 team in because they don't have a conference champion because we have co-champions here and then the mm -hmm. following year the championship game don't mean shit we'll put both alabama and georgia in it even though one of them lost the game we'll just put them both in there it's just another long list of excuses that they come up with every single year to keep in, to keep the SEC going strong. It, it is bullshit. But, it, but let me tell you this. Michigan, you better not fuck up and lose this game. Because mm -hmm. if you make it look like Alabama belonged in this playoff, you were going to be the laughing stock of, the, of college football right now. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I honestly would not be surprised if Alabama wins it all. I mean. Oh, sure. Oh if sure, they'd be, it it would be it would remind me a lot of 2014. The, it, first, it would year. it would be the Ohio State of 2014. Oh, Ohio State of 2014 got in. Yep. yep, yep, for sure. Justin, what do you think? I just wanted to see chaos. That's all I wanted to see. I wanted to see SEC left out of the playoff. <laughs> I wanted to see. Yeah, you see chaos right now. Uh, but there's no I in team unless the playoff committee is selecting teams right now. That's what it is. That's <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, do do you guys just hypothetical question? Do you guys think Florida State's in if Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt? Of course, for sure, absolutely. See, I can see a scenario where they'd still leave him out because yeah, I mean, it's like, because it's Florida State because it's the ACC and the ACC is an absolute trash conference compared to the other four. So let me let I, me I, ask you this: Do you think a Clemson team that like got Trevor Lawrence gets hurt on? Do you think he they get left out of the playoff? Probably not. No. Because no. they have they have a track record, they hey, again, have a track this record is, in the playoff. So it's all What's name recognition it? still. Like like yep. we're admitting, but Florida State has the name. Not not in the last what fifteen years. I mean, they have a national championship in the last fifteen years. I mean, we all yeah. forget about the twelve. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, Jameis Winston and company. I, yeah. yeah. I I you know you guys say if Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt, I I don't know what you know uh, Scott you mentioned pulling a hamstring. I. I still think somebody gets left out, so Alabama gets in. Maybe they redo the order and Texas gets left out. Like, like I just think someone. I think Florida State was the easiest because of the injury to leave them out. I think if Jordan Travis wasn't injured, they would have just flipped the script and left Texas out of the equation and said, "Well, the SEC is a better conference than the Big 12. or or the losses. Uh, the losses yeah, I think, Texas had wasn't as bad. I think they just would have found. I think if Texas. Reason. I've been I've been arguing this all week at work. I mean, this was a guaranteed situation that an SEC team would find a way in. Yes, it was guaranteed. There was no way mm -hmm. this committee was going to go. Oh, let's just leave all the SEC out of this playoff. Which it would no been so way they were going to better. And and I will say this: if Georgia would have won that game, I would be sitting here today saying Texas should have been left out. Like. Uh, undefeated Florida State, uh, the fact that they're the ones to get dropped is the shocking thing in this equation. 
And I think it's because mm-hmm. Jordan Travis is injured and it was an easy sell job. Like, oh, well, but I, they're not. I, 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 guess, I guess you're right, Todd. That's that's the piss poor thing of the whole thing is you got two one-loss teams in the playoff and the undefeated team gets left out. Power five. And it, and, Power and it, five. It, it's one thing for him to get jumped by one one-loss team, but to get jumped but by two, two one-loss teams. It, that's and this wasn't a Florida State team. They, they have the name brand. They, in the non-conference, beat two SEC teams. Like mm-hmm. so, it's not like you could point to well, they played a week out of conference. No, they played a grid out of conference schedule. <laughs> well, and then consider like, this: what what if Georgia goes to their bowl game, whatever bowl game they go to, Sugar Bowl or whatever the non BCS or playoff bowl game is, they go to their bowl game and they lose to some shit stick team from somewhere, and then the then the narrative is going to be well, they didn't want to be there. They wanted to be in the playoff. A lot of their players didn't play because they're in a crap bowl and this, that, and the other. It's just the same narrative. And it kind of goes along with what this I don't agree with Justin at all because he disagrees with us. <laughs> so screw that guy. Uh, but no, he says, I'm sorry, Justin. I think no one wanted to see a repeat of last year where TCU, who beat Michigan, by the way, gets throttled by an SEC team. Uh, FSU is deserving, but not better team than the top four as far as the you can't get throttled you can't you can't get throttled by an sec team if there's none in the college football playoff exactly no 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 you're dead on i I was going to say that but that was a perfect way to put it because i think and, and i was thinking of this when tyler was first talking this playoff would have had probably way more eyeballs on it if there wasn't an sec team in it I will mm-hmm. go to my grave saying that you would add way more eyeballs because the whole of college football would be like, thank the good Lord above. We get to actually watch an actual playoff of teams that deserve to be there. I don't give a damn if it's the best four because that's a subjective argument. Guess what Florida State proved? They proved they were absolutely the best team in the ACC and they have a zero in the what? Lost column. Justin, I don't agree with you. Uh, not you, Justin, the one that's comment coming. <laughs> I, I don't agree with you. I think what, Florida not, State should have well, been there. Whether it was we a, can all disagree with Justin. This Justin over here, too, because yeah, <laughs> it's like two birds with one stone. What, yeah. what I've said like six He's, words so far, Derek. Okay. I, I know. It's, I know. And somehow I will disagree with you. At some point in this show, I will disagree with you. It's almost guaranteed. <laughs> what, what, my last okay. comment on this will be is that. Like all that to be said, you know, I don't know if I agree with you on the eyeballs. The SEC has a lot of reach in college football, but put all of that to the side. Like, if you are just going to say, we know on paper who are the best four teams, let's get rid of the playoff altogether. Let's go back to the day when you just start making up and crowning national titles. Cause, like, if it's all subjective and we don't want to settle it on the field, then what the hell are we doing here? So like well, this luckily, argument, luckily yeah. we'll never have to worry about it again because next year we can start a twelve team playoff like it should have been from the get go. They should have and done we, that exactly. We won't have, we won't have this, this have to have this argument anymore. This year would have been a really really fun kick or this, playoff. playoff. Or yeah. this would have been a really this good year to have amazing. just a two team championship because we know who the two best teams on paper are: Washington and uh, Michigan. Like they're the two most deserving teams all year. They deserve to be in the national championship. I would not be surprised though if it comes down between Texas and Alabama as a as a rematch. I would not be surprised because you know Michigan's going to find a way to lose this game. I have no doubt in my mind that they find a way to lose this game, and I think that Texas finds a way to to beat to beat Washington. I I just have this gut feeling it's going to be a it's going to be a rematch between Texas and Alabama. Alabama will come out on top, and then there's going to be mm-hmm. just all the talking heads saying, "See, this is why Florida State was left out." And then we're all going to look like a bunch <laughs> of, you know, and like just bunch of incompetent dummies. But it, yeah. at, it's like I still didn't want to see them in that's there why, anyway. That's so why we all you. have to hope for a Florida State Georgia <clears throat> bowl game. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. And That'd watch Florida cool. State win it, and then still, like Dad said, I think I think he makes a makes the perfect observation that it doesn't matter if it, Georgia wins, they're going to be like, "See, Georgia should have been let should have been put in." And then if Georgia loses, they they go, "Oh, see, look, yeah, they, they didn't want to be there. Yeah, that's, play. Florida that's the State same crap you heard you Damn heard you back do, in Dan the day know. whenever Alabama didn't make it to the national championship game, but then they'd go to another bowl game and they'd get whooped up on like somebody like Oklahoma. And then you'd hear, well, you know, they really didn't want to be there. Or when 
UCF, I know it's a source subject, in 2017 beats Auburn in a bowl game. Uh, oh, Auburn's in a was, well, Auburn didn't really want to be there. You know, it's like yeah. anybody who watched that out. game knows that's bullshit because yeah, exactly they played Auburn, their guts out. Both they, teams they, did. They weren't. They're both teams played really well in that game. So mm-hmm. anyway, anyway. Um, so that was fun. We've solved the college football playoffs problem. Problem is we still have an SEC team in there, and that sucks. Anyway, um, let's talk about the other big news that happened over the last couple of days, and that was the fact that everybody was worried that Tony White was going to go to the S or the uh, where was he going to go? He was oh, going to go to the big, big Ten. He was going to go to the Big Ten, wasn't he? It's just the yeah. wrong Big Ten team. <laughs> he was going to go possibly to USC to run a defense for Lincoln Riley, who apparently doesn't understand what defense means. Um, but instead, Nebraska ponied up some money. What was he making before? He was making like a cool million a year, wasn't he? Wasn't his yeah, salary like just a straight up five, million five, or million. really close to I, it? I, th- yeah. I thought I read he was making right at a million. So, yeah. yeah, we got him up. He's making more money than the guy that uh, engineered one of the worst offenses in the country. Thank God. Um, so there you go. That's what his uh, 2023 defense is. With just the numbers I pulled up from the article I read on his uh, on his new contract restructuring. He was 14th nationally in total defense, 303.5 yards per game. Best total defense ranking since 2009 and first top 25 defense since 2010. Granted, there's a caveat. You can't really necessarily put an asterisk on it, but you can look at it and say this was like the worst Big Ten West offensively that we have seen in quite a while. And we got lucky catching some teams that got pretty good on offense in the later in the season, like Northwestern and Purdue, who tended to play a little bit better toward the end of the season. So is that because White is really good at his job, but did we catch him early? I don't know, but I do know he deserves a little bit more money because I think we need to see what he can do when he's got some guys with some experience in his system. Um, anyway, that's my thoughts on on the total defense. Then it was eighth nationally in rush defense, which I thought was pretty pretty incredible. Ninety two point nine yards per game. Somebody have something? Yeah, I can. I just want to go back to the uh, top twenty five because we've been doing this uh, our podcast for eight years. And mm-hmm. Tyler, every year he says that Nebraska is going to have a top twenty-five defense. <laughs> he finally nailed it this year. I told you said, guys. And the funny thing is, I, I think this year he was the first year he was actually like, I don't know if I have quite a top twenty-five. Maybe defense. no, Maybe so. no, no, it's not bad. no. He said top twenty-five. I can go back to the tape. I could have yeah. swore he said he wasn't going to. He okay, said like I'll, he I'll said they were going to be just in the top twenty. <clears throat> if I remember, you were like, "This will be a top they're twenty-five defense, just in, like probably twenty-fourth ranked or something like that." Yeah, I, I want to point out something that's very <laughs> remarkable about this statistic right here because the all Big Conference players were named on defense, and only Luke Reimer was the third uh, third team All third Big string. Team. Everybody else, so was he did a top mention. twenty-five defense yeah. without. Any single player taking over like uh, huge accolades in the conference. Well, uh, so, uh, some of that I mean, was bullshit too. I mean, I think that's BS as well. I think Gefford should have. Let, been let me ask 13. you this: Do you honestly believe that Luke Reimer was our best defender this, in this particular season? I I think it's arguable between him and statistically, he he just he had a little bit of statistically. I think it was Gifford. Yeah, Gifford had the most Gifford. tackles, and then I I I would argue for uh nash or even ty to be third team as well but yeah yeah and those guys were honorable mentions yep i mean let's not it's just it's just crazy to me that i i would have i would have said ty robinson and nash hutmacher were probably our best defenders truthfully that's that's guys i probably would have picked and for them to get not get in there when gift or when reimer did was like kind of crazy to me do you think do you think Hypothetical. Once again, we're just going to go on the hypothetical train. <laughs> if we would have gotten to six wins, yeah. do you think that it completely flips the script and we get a lot of second teamers and hell, even maybe first teamers? No, I, I think, think if you get to seven or eight wins, you could you could make a case for that. But six wins, I think, gets you at least two more guys on the third team. I really maybe. Do. I think I, you're going to a bowl I, game. I, I think, think it would also hurt guys on third team. I think what also hurt this team was the last three games giving up over 100 yards each game. Rushing. Mm-hmm. Rushing, yeah. I mean, you gave 163 to Iowa, who wasn't able to run the ball on anybody. Well, that kind of ties into the next next uh, 
national ranking at eighth nationally in rush defense at 92.9 yards per game. It's our best run defense since 1999. That one kind of surprised me. And I went back and looked, and it's true. It's our best run defense since 1999. I'd have figured 2009 might have been a little bit better. Um, and they held eight of 12 opponents to less than 100 yards. So, you know, what was that? Wisconsin, Michigan. Um, Iowa, and who was it that ran for 100 on us besides that? Was it maybe Purdue? I don't think it was Purdue, but I think it was a Big Ten team. But, yeah, Michigan. Michigan? Yep. Yep. Michigan. Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Maryland. 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 That's right. They got over 100 yards in that last drive in the fourth quarter. Um, So that's pretty impressive. Um, And then the other thing that they had – mentioned was 17th nationally in scoring defense at 18.3 points per game. It was Nebraska's best scoring defense since 2010, held eight of 12 opponents to 14 or fewer points. That, you know, in today's day and age of college football where you're paying coordinators a million bucks or more, I think it absolutely is deserving of that 1.6. And we get to keep them at least another year, if not two. So I think it's awesome. I'm glad they did it. So Yep, yep. I'm I'm happy that they retained him. I thought they were. I know everybody was pretty worrisome about it. I think it's just Husker fans being like we can't have nice we can't things. Have good things. <laughs> um I I really thought like I mean if Tony Tony White was a defensive coordinator worth his salt, it's like you know that this isn't you caught lightning in a bottle. This is this is you being a good defensive coordinator and it's only going to get better. I mean mm-hmm. the the amount of youth that we have on this defense is is going to pay dividends in the next two or three years and i think if tony white does want to leave i think he's going to leave not laterally and go you know become a a he'll get a head coaching gig somewhere or hell i hope he i hope he plays a game of charlie mcbride ism and just stays here forever if he if he continues to uh to generate top 25 defenses i mean please do that Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts well, on well, that, guys? Well, I think this, the amount of pay raise they gave him is kind of in- interesting. Because, I, I mean, at this point, you know, you guys talked about USC, and I don't know if that was actually ever real. What I do believe was real is that he was interviewing for San Diego State head coaching job. And the fact that they mm-hmm. ponied up to get him the $1.6 million from just a pure pay standpoint makes it really hard to think, like, where is he going to go? Because there isn't many group of five jobs paying that much. I think San Diego State, who uh, they're playing Sean Lewis, $1.7 million. So they're basically, I mean, the, the amount of money they gave it is big. The second thing is, is over the life of Nebraska, there is, you know, fans have sometimes said, we do not pay our coaches the way they should. And you, we can argue, and we'll probably, I think, get in a little bit here about Marcus Satterfield. Is he overpaid? Yes, no, whatever. But the fact that we're paying $3 million for both of our coordinators is a big deal. The only team that's paying more, I believe I got this right, is Ohio State. We're paying more than Michigan. Yeah. We're paying more than USC. We're paying more than any other team in the Big Ten for mm-hmm. coordinators now. And that's a big deal. So I yeah. I think it's just, it's a it's a good move. Obviously, we all in agreement that keeping Tony White is a huge deal for this team. But I think the mm-hmm. way that they did it, because they could have kept him, probably give him a couple hundred thousand dollars more. And that probably would have been enough to keep him. But they, they made a statement with this play. Yeah. I mean, they gave him basically another coordinator's base salary on top of a, a really high base salary. I mean, because mm-hmm. if you're if you're if you're an offensive coordinator at a TCU or if you're an offensive coordinator at uh, like a like a Wake Forest, you're making like 400 K, 300 K, something like that. So and then you got to add to the fact that, I mean. I don't know the tax brackets of every single state, but I guarantee you, you would have to make, you would have to make 1.2 million in California to break even with the 1.6 million he's making here. So I don't know if USC was ever going to fork that cash out, but um, no, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a good sign of our athletic department moving with the times that mm-hmm. it's like, we need to set a precedent because there's just so much money in 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 college sports now um so it's like you gotta you gotta get with the times um and maybe set a precedent and i think that's what they're doing or maybe they're just panicking and hitting the panic button like ah throw money at him we gotta keep him who knows i don't know 
Well, I'm glad they did. No doubt about it. I'm glad they did. Anybody else have anything on Tony White before we move on to a quick question before we start the uh, over-under game results? All right. So, I have a quick question for you guys. Most valuable coach, excluding coach rule and both coordinators, who was Nebraska's most valuable coach on the staff in 2023? I'll answer real quick. I will say it's Terrence Knighton. End of story. That defensive line, Nash, and uh, and but I, I was torn. I wanted to say I really wanted to say Corey. Uh, good Lord, Crawford, Campbell. what Campbell, Campbell. Corey Campbell, Corey just Campbell. because you know Nash Hutmarker was almost invisible on this team for the last couple of years, and then this year suddenly he's absolutely blowing people up. So I was torn between Corey Campbell and Terrence Knighton, but uh, I, I think I think uh, Pot Roast was by far the most valuable coach on the staff. Who's I'm guessing next? we're going to be unanimous here because I agree. Terrence Knighton, the job that he did with those young defensive linemen, uh, mm. he just, you know, I I think for the most part, a lot of people thought that the defensive line was not going to be one of the strengths of the team uh, with everybody that we've lost, but they really were one of the uh, high points of the team. So, mm. yeah, he, he did an excellent job. Absolutely. Anybody else? I agree. I I'll, agree. Say, I mean, I'll say this. I'll, I'll say this. I agree with you, Justin. I agree with you guys. I, it, it's Terrence Knighton. But don't forget Rob Dvorak in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Like the linebackers were pretty damn good, too. Yeah, they were. And it was pretty impressive with what he did with those guys, too. Right? The defensive line was, to me, more impressive. So I would say Terrence Knighton as well. But Dvorak deserves at least a little bit of credit here, too. There's a lot more young guys on the defensive line, Derek. I mean... That's fair. Uh, at linebacker, fair. they he was dealing with some, you know, senior people, uh, senior guys. I, I understand. I, again, I agree with you. I just think he deserves a little bit of praise too. I guess. Sure. They they were good. Mm-hmm. All right, Tyler, you have an opinion? I mean, I there there's not. I think the guys that Derek and Justin mentioned are the probably the top two. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, I think the whole defensive staff was great. Um, so no, but I think Knighton is the guy. It wasn't right. an offensive coach. I, I, we, all, we can all agree on that for sure, right? So no, I, I no, like it Terrence wasn't. <laughs> I like I like Terrence Knighton and I like Robbie. Um I think I think one of them that was really overshadowed by the lack of performance on our offense was Donovan Riola's improvement on of our of our offensive line. Sure. I don't want to say he's the most valuable, but I want to give him an honorable mention because I was watching that offensive line all season because I wanted I really wanted to find an excuse as to why our offense was so abysmal and I couldn't ever find anything on our offensive line that made me go you are uh, an Achilles heel to our quarterback play is like no they were actually holding pockets I, I just our guys weren't staying in them and I think there were tons of running lanes that just Anthony Grant wasn't going into and I think that was the separator between Grant and and Emmett Johnson was that Johnson was actually finding those holes and cutting to them. Now, they might have not been designed or anything like that half the time, but I think that our offensive line actually made an improvement. And I think that the – I just want to say that Rule making a gamble with Donovan Riola I think is paying off. And if we can make this kind of an improvement next year again, like kind mm-hmm. of a sizable improvement – and God willing that our offensive coordinator actually plays with it and coaches whoever our quarterback's coach is going to be this year. I I really think our offensive line is making a step in the right direction. And I think that that gamble that, that Matt rule made is actually paying off, but that's just my honorable mention. I I really want to give credit to Donovan Riola and what he's done with this offensive line this year. Hey Scott, I got a question for you. So last week we did our uh, position group grades uh, for Mm -hmm. our, 2023 season reaction episode. How would you grade the offensive line for this year? What grade would you give? I'd give it like a C plus. C plus. That'd be okay. my response too. Yeah. Yeah. That there were some things that were good. There were some things that were not good. There were some some procedural errors. And I mean, there was a lot of false starts on our offense. Well, not as many as I remember in years past. There were some things that were concerning, but I would have given them an like a like a D minus last year. And so they, they improved. What did you, what did you guys, cause I hadn't watched that episode. What did you guys rate the, the offensive line? 
So Tyler gave the best grade for the uh, offensive line at C. I gave D plus and Derek gave D. Okay. You know, if if you would have asked me that question earlier in the season, it would have easily been giving him like a C plus or, or even a B minus grade, but it was those last couple of games when you saw some more procedural stuff, when the pressure was kind of on that the offensive line wasn't quite as good, especially against Iowa. Uh, But yeah, I think C plus C to C plus is a pretty, pretty fair grade that I would, I would give this offensive line for this year. Um, So anyway, that's pretty cool. Um, Let's move on to the over under game results. You guys ready to have some fun? (laughs) The offense is interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, this this year did not go how everybody thought, right? Especially on not defense. I mean, nobody saw this coming. The defense right? was surprisingly accurate. We were surprisingly accurate on the defense. So uh, there you go. Scoring offense. The over-under we set was 27.5 ga- points per game, which uh, would have been who, No one took 10. over, right? No, no one took this over. No, we didn't. None of us took it over. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> which would have been fifth in the uh, – Big Ten and 66th in the NCAA this year. If that over would have hit, or if that number would have hit, the actual scoring was 18 points per game, which was 12th in the Big Ten, 124th in the NCAA, and incidentally enough, tied with the team that just got blanked in the Big Ten uh, championship game yesterday. The name which will not be spoken. Um, so there we go. We all took the under, and Derek got closest at 23. So wow, mm, my six Derek, my six point nine did not pay off. It did not, Derek. I think you were probably mocked at the time for being like a pessimist. Oh, I'm sure I was. There, there's so pretty good chance. I'll be, yeah, I mean, yeah, we I, we apologize to you on that one. I think I uh, do. You were. You I was. Were I was right busy there. building my beer pyramid. I didn't care what you said. <laughs> I remember that now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> the pyramid. <laughs> the pyramid was happening at that. That was a really moment. good pyramid, guys. That yeah, was that really was a lot good. of fun. That was very good impromptu creative decision on our part. <laughs> oh man. Talk about, let's talk about that for a second. The fact that we've gone from all five of us sitting in one studio in one state to all five of us being in three different States, uh, thousands of miles apart. The beauty of technology and the ability to do this, uh, is just the coolest thing. So thank you Streamyard, for being as good as you are. Anyway, thank you, Ken, for being as good as you are with, the, well, with oh, using StreamYard. You're so sweet. Hey, you he set the precedent, old. man. <laughs> My dad did. I mean, heard at media just after the Go Big Redcast kind of took notes from my dad then it was like oh i guess uh hill varsity is gonna start using it now and yeah. uh, and now it's just the thing it's the uh, thing you know, what the can precedent. i say what trend can i setter. say i'm a trendsetter trend, now if uh, i could just get the trend of listeners and viewers too that would be kind of cool uh, <laughs> so passing yards over under we set it at 2700 holy cow how far off were we that would have been third in the big 10 this year <laughs> And 64th in the NCAA. The actual was, God Almighty, was that abysmal? 1,631. Hmm, you know, when you had a tight end starting at quarterback for most of the year, that tends to happen, I would think, uh, which is 13th in the Big Ten, 129th in the NCAA. And the results of that category were there you go. Tyler was the most pessimistic in this category. So he won it at uh, 2,276 yards. Me, I think I was the one that was furthest off. (laughs) The closest person was still over 600 yards off. (laughs) (laughs) And I was called, the funny thing is, I was called the Jeff Sims hater before the season started. Yeah. You were the Jeff Sims realist there. Yeah, you were, you were, you were. It can't be hate if it's true. <laughs> I was a Jeff Sims apologist going in. I was like, I was really I. think he's got a lot of upside. I think I think there's a lot more to him than blah. blah, blah. But I also wasn't I wasn't aware of how bad our quarterbacks yeah. coaching was going to be across the board. So yeah, no so kidding. I, okay, so I have definitely followed your guys's like get rid of Satterfield. Can I can I at least could tell you? Do you think Chuba Purdy took a pretty big step forward this year? Oh, absolutely. You know, I've so, said so, I said that I think on our last show that I will give Satterfield credit in the fact that Chubba Purdy certainly came in and looked like the guy that was most prepared to run his offense. Kudos I, I to just, Sat for making that happen. Yeah. And, and 
Is it like I just feel like you guys have like placed the whole blame? Like no, no blame goes to Matt Rule. No blame goes to it seems like any of the other offensive coaches. Just it's the Marcus Satterfield like disaster with you guys. Yep. Hey, I, I yeah. my biggest thing is turnovers more than anything when it comes to Sat. So, so Matt Rule necessarily doesn't his that? offense. No, well, every time, yeah, Matt Matt Rule owns the fact that he hired the guy in the first place because he was one of the worst offenses when it came to turning the football over when they were at South Carolina. They were 116th in the country in turnovers lost the last two years he was at South Carolina. So yeah, Matt Rule absolutely owns that. But you should have Matt seen Rule, it. When they were at common. Temple, they were turnover. They had a lot of turn when they were together at Temple. Turnovers were an issue. Sure. Um, I mean, I, sure. I mean, we'll yeah, I think, I, I think, I think you could blame. I think you can blame Matt Rule to a degree. But this is my philosophy. My philosophy is individual accountability. That it's like you can you can go and blame a CEO all you want for one subsidiary of a business falling apart. In a, in a very, very short period of time. But ultimately, it's the person who's in charge of whatever department is falling apart. It's on them. And it's like, yes, you can blame the CEO for hiring the person and, and making that a dumpster fire area of a business. But ultimately, the person responsible is the person responsible for it. And but yes, you can blame you can blame the CEO. You can. But when the CEO makes good hires in all the other departments... It's like, well, is it really the CEO's fault or was it just human nature kind sure. of coming into play and him making a mistake? Like, I don't think this was like a blatant, like purposeful, corrupt hire from Matt Rule. And so everything about Matt Rule needs to come into question. Absolutely not. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess we weren't really like dogging on, on Matt Rule because, I mean... I just get so sick of it. I get so sick of like, well, everything is, is on, on the head coach. It's like to a degree. Yeah. I think some fault needs to be divvied out to a head coach for anything that his, his assistant coaches do, but ultimately it does still just fall on the assistant coach. Um, now when it comes to certain contexts, I think that like when you look at a, when you look at a, a Jim Harbaugh and a Connor Stallions type thing, like, does that fall on Connor Stallions or does that fall on the head coach? Well, of course it falls on the head coach because he's the one who is directing such a corrupt uh, establishment type of uh, systemic problem. But like when it comes to comes to Satterfield, I mean, do we really expect Matt Rule to just suddenly take over executive play calling orders and him uh, abdicating his responsibility as a head coach? entirely just so that he can micromanage one area that's clearly falling apart around him. Like, absolutely not. You don't want, a, you don't want somebody to, to, to burden such a huge responsibility on a game to game basis. But yeah, I think it, I'll, you're right though. It ultimately falls on Matt rule for making that higher in the first place. So I think I it's like, I think I, two things are true at once. Two things are true at once. Yes. It's Matt rules fault, but it's well, and it's not even I did what Matt Rule. I just don't even put. I just feel like a lot can be said is they they whiffed on the quarterback room, and I think that the the, the quarterbacks that we had seen at Nebraska the year before, I think Harburg and Purdy both took steps forward. So I don't know if you could say it's Satterfield not being able to develop guys. I think it's too early to tell that, and I think it's too hard to tell scheme wise when you have. I just think when you whiff on Jeff Sims the way you did, it's just not to put it all on him, but you whiffed so hard out of that room. And I think there's a lot of other position groups that did not develop the way we needed to. Wide receivers, maybe being namely one of them, tight ends, did not develop the well, way we the wanted wide to. Receivers, so, wide receivers saw a lot of attrition as well. So, you know, you got a young kid coaching a bunch of young kids that he wasn't expecting to coach in game situations near as often as he had to. So yeah, I'm I, willing I, to I, give I, a little bit of a pass. I'm also willing to say, you know, I, I was on the fire sat train and I'll be a yeah. hashtag I'll, every game. Every I game will, I saw a hashtag. I, I will I gladly admit nine times out of 10, I was purely out of emotion. But I also think that that uh, if you're going to be making $1.4 million to coordinate an offense, and like Scott has said on our show, you should be able to figure out what to do with guys even after some people get 
injured. If your defensive coordinator is running a top 25 defense and you've got a bottom 25 offense to complement it and the offensive coordinator is making more money, it just seems to me there should be some accountability for that. But we could do this all day and we'll never get done with this. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we would, we would have to have a whole other episode yep. collaboration with you guys. We could do that. Really, we could do that. Down really, the road. really, so really, really dig in passing touchdowns. Uh, we had set the over under at 20, which would have been six in the big 10, 66 nationally. And it ended up being 10. <laughs> <laughs> Good heavens. 12th in the Big Ten, 120th in the NCAA, which tied with Rutgers, by the way, um, in the for the Big Ten. So, Joey. Hey, th- th- those numbers would be higher if it wasn't for all the interceptions in the uh, end zone. <laughs> in the end zone. <laughs> there would have been, what, 13 completions in the end zone then? <laughs> yeah. uh, but there we go. Derek won this one as well. He called it. He said 13. Um, my goodness. Boy, Derek. Good job, dude. So Derek takes the lead. I'm not, I'm not loving being right on any of these, to be honest. With you. <laughs> well, you'll be right. I would have the- loved if you were right. I would have loved if you were right on the money. Yeah. If you were, if you were right, right, uh, oh, buddy, we would be bowling right now. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. We would have been for sure. Rushing yards, we set the over-under at 2,250, which at the time, if I recall, we had quite a debate in the studio about whether or not that was going to be a, a number that's even realistic. It would be pretty good. You know, 2,250 would have been first in the Big Ten, 25th in the country, and son of a gun if we weren't second in the Big Ten at 21-22. We only missed out by 128 yards of hitting that number and ended up 47th in the country. And let's see who ended up. Hey, looky there. You were right. You're glad you were right about this one, though, right, Derek? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I am pissed because I remember this one being one where I was like, is it 2169 or 2269? And I and I went with the over on that one. And I would have I would have had it very, very uh you would have won this very comfortably. Absolutely. Everybody went over except Derek on that. Interesting. And he just went, yeah. He went barely under. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Rush TDs. We set the over under at 25 because we thought that there'd be a few more rushing touchdowns due to the fact that we'd heard there was going to be an emphasis on the run game, which there was. That would have been third in the Big Ten, 31st in the NCAA for this season. We actually had 16 rushing touchdowns, which was eighth in the Big Ten and 84th in the NCAA. My God, our red zone conversion rate was god awful if we only scored 16 times. Uh, running the football. So a few of those were long runs, if I remember correctly. And I actually won this one. Everybody went way over, and I was a little... (laughs) Scott was... I forgot my meme. (laughs) (laughs) Scott was 69. (laughs) So there we go. So at this point... a child. Derek has three, and Tyler and I are tied at one. Field goal percentage was the oh last God. offensive category. <laughs> we said 80%, which would have been third in the Big Ten, 39th in the country, and it was actually 60%, which was Wee- not even last in the Big Ten. Go if figure. I remember, I might have been the only one that went under on this. You could have. I don't remember for sure. 118th in the NCAA, and no. Oh. You did go under, yeah. but Scott went 75.69. So <laughs> that 69 is always there. And and I do remember saying, I was like, we're going to have a freshman kicker. He's going to have a real bad time, but not that bad of a time. Jesus. Nobody thought Alvano would be as bad as he was this year, right? Yeah. Oh. And I'm not even excitement. sure. I'm not even sure at this point that he had named Alvano the starter. So we were kind of going on whether – Bleak Road or Alvano was the starter, so yeah. we really weren't sure. He, did, we thought, he didn't because he didn't name it until the first game. Yeah. So, At, like game time was when I think he finally announced it. So Bleak Road, he retires from football, right? So was he injured throughout the season? Is that why we never saw Bleak Road? I would wonder. I would I would I would imagine because we had we we didn't seem to have a problem with switching guys out when needed. And you would have thought at a certain point, you would just let Alvano kind of like collect himself and you put bleak road in there, but it never happened. So I wonder if he was, I just, I haven't heard anything about it. 
Mm-hmm. The only time you saw him was uh, on his uh, fake field goal run, right. which was pretty He didn't, he didn't look hurt right. there. No. Mm-hmm. No. So I don't know. Well, maybe it was just Maybe he error. got hurt on that play. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Everybody else yeah. got hurt. Why not? Yep. Man, if, it, if the turf monster doesn't grab his cleat either, he would have been the only kicker to score a touchdown in a game in quite a long time. So... Um, in fact, I think it might have been since Chris Brown happened to catch an oopsie pass because uh, somebody bobbled the snap, so he just ran to the front corner of the end zone. I think that was in 95, and he caught it, and it was, wasn't a touchdown. It was a two-point conversion, but still. Anyway, defense, which was the surprising thing for this year. We had set the over-under at 23.5 points per game. That would have been ninth in the Big Ten, but 50th in the NCAA this year, and we actually were 18.3 yards points per game, which was fifth in the Big Ten, 17th in the country. And Tyler came in. He was the guy that said it was going to be that top 25 defense. So he was he was big on it. And at 20.5 points. I just didn't give him enough credit. To. I nope. will never make that mistake again. Uh, oh all in God. on these. <laughs> there we go. Top 15 <laughs> defense from here on out. That's right. Top 15. 10 points Charlie a game. Yeah, it'll be a defense to make McBride proud. (laughs) So we gave up 2,563 yards, uh, or set the over-under at 2,563 for passing. Uh, 10th would have been 10th in the Big Ten this year and 47th in the NCAA. The actual passing yards were 2,527. Talk about close. Uh, Ended up being 9th in the Big Ten and 41st in the NCAA. And who got this one? Looky there. Derek, boy, Derek, with the big twenty five sixty nine, you preempted Scott on this. I remember that very clearly. You preempted Scott and made you ruined him go. My, I would have said that number too. So, but he, he Scott <laughs> still did end up with a six and a nine in his in his number. So I figured out a way. How <laughs> much did Derek beat me by? On like, this I was one, like, yeah, this is it was close. I mean, it was close, but I was he went closer. over. Should it be prices right? Like, yeah. <laughs> he was over by by a little bit more than you were under so i i did the math and it was like two or three points or something like that so oh thanks kool-aid man appreciate it yeah it does those <laughs> little those little things in the back Nebraska <laughs> 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 can suck my dick <laughs> 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 passing touchdowns <laughs> we set the number at 18 which would have been ninth in the big 10 and 61st in the ncaa the actual number was 14 uh fifth in the big 10 20th in the ncaa and the winner tyler again so Derek's on got the four. money Na- nailed it absolutely grabbed a hammer and he nailed it so i get bonus points for that right uh no no no, you just I feel like we get, should. We should you end, get an extra high five, it. maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Rushing yards, we put 2046, which would have been 14th in the Big Ten and 103rd in the NCAA. Didn't have a lot of confidence. I set that number because I thought 335 defense, maybe we're gonna have to struggle against the run to start the year uh, and give up some yards. But other than four teams, we never gave up over a hundred yards to anybody. So um, the actual number was 1115, third in the Big Ten, ninth in the country. And the winner was Tyler, 1715. You really believed in this defense, Ty. No doubt about it. I was way off on this because I had no faith in that defensive line, as young as they were. And mm-hmm. wow. I remember that. This would have been, this would have been the most you were, when you were almost all the way through your uh, your backpack. <laughs> And so at this point, I think I think I'd said something that made you cry. This would have been around that time. I don't even remember what I said, but you were dying. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll have to go. I back don't know what the hell you were talking about. There was there, there was no. It was a different category. It's the next. It'll be one of the next categories about uh, tw- red zone offensive conversions, is where you were completely lost, Justin and Scott said something, and then you were really lost. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, next one, it was rush touchdowns. We set the over-under at 20, which would have been 13 of the Big Ten this year and 80th in the country. The actual number was nine, 
fourth in the Big Ten, tenth in the NCAA, and tied with Penn State and Troy in the country for uh, for touchdowns given up on the ground. I would have never put Troy in that category, but I guess they had a defense in whatever – what is it, Sunbelt is what they play in. Um, there we go. Tyler takes the lead with five. And Derek's got four. Scott and I both have one. And Justin is still big goose egg. Does it stay that way? He, oh, he's the most God. shocker. Thank he's God. the most wrong about everything. <laughs> Opponent red zone percentage. This is where Justin was confused. I'm not sure what confused him, but it can, I think it was the pyramid. The, the no, light I think it, whatever was, Scott was saying confused me. I'm I had no idea what right he was now. talking about. Play the tape. Yeah, play the tape. Play the tape. Dan. I'm watching it. Go to the tape. So, uh, eighty-four point four percent opposition red zone percentage. Basically, red zone conversions by our opponents is what this is based on, and uh, that would have been tenth in the Big Ten, eightieth in the NCAA in twenty twenty-three. Nebraska actually gave up scores eighty-one point five eight percent of the time, which was seventh in the Big Ten, fifty-fourth in the country. Derek, Derek got it. So we have a tie, gentlemen, between Derek and Tyler. This is the last category. So I'm going to ask you a tiebreaker question between the two of you. Here it is. Sack differential. Nebraska's defense generated more sacks than Nebraska's offense surrendered. Is that number over under 4.5? And you need to give a number. Oh, that's not fair. Stat Boy is going to win this one. Yeah, he's probably got it up right now. Um, so no cheating here, Derek. <laughs> I yeah, am no, going no to, I'll, I'll, I'll let the, the elder statesman go first. Give him the advantage. I'm not it in was, this one. It was <laughs> under and it was four. It's I was going to go with four also. So that's not fair. Uh, but I'll say three just to be different. I believe it was 33 to 29. It was, I looked it up and it was three. So, Tyler. Oh, really? Yeah. I would yeah, have went three. Like, I'm still four. I would also, 30, I'm so glad I let you go first. 31 to 28 or 32 to 29, something like that is what it ended up what being. What Derek really wants to know is who do you use to get your stats? That's what he wants to CFB know. CFBstats.com, baby. CFBstats.com. It, it must have been 32 to 29 because I know for a fact we gave up 29 sacks this year. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. I think it was 32-29 is what it was. So good job, guys. Tyler, you win again. And I know I still owe you a gift card from the first time we did this three years ago. So I will figure out. Hey, I won last year because I got the t-shirt too. Yeah, you uh, got the t-shirt. See, Justin got something. Hey, by the way, Justin got shut out for the first year in the over-under game. So congratulations, Justin. That wasn't fair when Justin won because all Justin did was fade Scott Frost. Like that was his – and he was right, but that was his tactic back then. It was just no faith in anything. Well, he sucked. I mean, I I was the only one that could acknowledge that he was going to suck. You guys like, ooh, we'd bring him back for one more year, ten more years. Yeah, well, we don't need to rehash that argument. He's gone. He's playing golf here in Arizona somewhere today, I'm sure. Lucky bastard. Um, What a guy. What a guy. What a guy. I got one more real quick question. After we talked about the coaches earlier, staff makeup. Do you think Coach Rule's staff will look exactly as it is right now come game one in 2024? No, I don't. I, I don't believe that this tight end coach is going to be here. I think he'll move Satterfield back tight ends and hire a quarterback's coach. I don't think there's going to be a lot of other shakeup than that, but I do think that will happen. I I'm agree. Kind of, I'm kind of in that same boat too, uh, Derek. I, th- I think you see a tight ends coach move back to the analyst role. And uh, who that quarterback coach is, I don't know. I'm surprised that Jake Peets ended up saying no in the first place. I wonder if last year, if the part of it was he wanted to actually run the offense too. Um, Gary Barnett would disagree with you in, in some ways, and I understand his argument that he thinks the offensive coordinator should be the quarterback's coach. 
simply because of having the hands-on approach with the quarterback as well as running the offense. So I understand that, but I just don't think Satterfield's the guy to coach quarterback. But anyway, I'd say it's like a, say something, I'd say Scott, it's a coin ahead. flip. I'd say it's a coin flip. I I would not be surprised if nothing changes. Um, simply because I think that's that's what Matt Rule kind of wants from our culture is to not just jump and do anything rash and and make any like crazy decisions after year one. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least what would be perceived as a crazy decision. I don't think it's a crazy decision to reallocate your your offensive coordinator to tight ends coach and then hire out a, a strictly exclusive offen- uh, uh, quarterbacks coach. That's not all that crazy. But I would not be surprised. I, I would actually probably lean more towards if I had to bet on it, I would bet that nothing changes. And we just go into year two with the same staff and he kind of uses it as like a as a measuring stick like there's no rush to this we don't have to make anything go crazy out of nowhere um i mean he's kind of alluded to to that in his press conference where he got all fired up when when the 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 kind of uh suggestion that satterfield is on a hot seat he got real fired up about it and was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do the things that nebraska's done in the past or whatever he you know kind of responded i don't know any other way to put it but um i think i think i think things just stay the same but i hope i hope that that model is is uh is gone after where yes like like you said i think i think there needs to be at least a little shift and hire out a a quarterbacks coach but i don't know if there is a staff change when do you think it will happen like the day after uh, the early signing period for recruiting, that would when be my that? guess. Sometime in December, yeah, early yeah. mid December. If a change happens, if it doesn't happen by then, I don't think it happens at all. That'd be my my thinking. How about you, Tyler? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, what Derek proposed, I think, is a valid thought. Um, if you listen to Matt Rule's postseason press conference, he kind of alluded to the fact that yes, yeah, Satterfield will be back as offensive coordinator. Um, him as quarterback coach wasn't the original design. So th- that's definitely on the board. I, I, I wouldn't say that probably any offensive assistant, you know, probably doesn't feel great about their job at this point. I mean, th- there's <laughs> probably not a great security. I would like, I guess if, I, I don't, so I don't know the answer. I don't know what will happen or not. Um, I would say that I would like to run it back one more year. I think it would be nice one off sure. season to get through continuity and just to see what the progress is. Um, if you're not on the defensive staff, I think there's a lot of risk going into year two about your job security. But I, 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 if it was Tyler's decision, I'd run it back. Anybody else? I'd be perfectly okay just hitting the reset button on the offense and starting over with all new coaches. Hmm. I, I'd be okay with that too. I'd be okay with that too, but I just, I'm sitting here thinking like if, if I were to get into Trev's mind of how he would want his athletic department or how he would want his football program to be, I, I really think it's, it's a chess game, not checkers, at least in their philosophy, how that plays out is completely subjective to an individual. Like I think, I think that you make a lot of, you make a lot of moves now and you just, you just cut you just cut it all out and just start from scratch. Um, they just in, started in some from ways. scratch, so start from scratch. In, in and I, I just don't see that being a good way to run things. I, I'd say Satterfield's seat's probably a little warm going into this season if he's retained as a quarterback's coach, especially. But I, I also don't see Trev being the type of person that's going to mess with what Rule wants to do. I, I just don't, I think. And Rule's one of those. He's got that old school mentality. Hey, we got to keep some sort of continuity. Change the language yet again. Yeah, I could see the offensive coordinator staying the same, but I certainly could also see a quarterback's coach being different. And I think that pretty much wraps us up for today, guys. I really appreciate you guys coming on. I appreciate all the time that you've spent hanging out with us over these last couple of years. This is, as you can see up in that top right corner, guys, this is episode 99. We're coming up on milestone episode 100. Scott and I are going to be taking a break until after the first of the year, but you guys are definitely going to be a part, if you're willing, 
of our 100th episode in January. We want to have you guys on. We want to have a bunch of other guests on. So we can have it up 10 people on a stream at a time, which would be a lot like herding cats with the way we like to argue. So (laughs) it could be fun. But I think that'd be the perfect perfect opportunity. That's that's a first. Yeah. Well, no, it just flipped to an hour. So thanks for uh, jinxing it. Um, (laughs) But uh, that would be the perfect opportunity to talk about the woes of the offense, like we talked about earlier, to sit down and just have a more overarching discussion about the the move forward, Satterfield, no Satterfield, fire sat, hold back on the hashtag, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I think that would be a perfect opportunity to talk about that and talk about, you know, the fortunes. We'll know what the recruiting class, a lot of what the recruiting class will look like by then with the early signing day. I just think it would be a blast to have you guys see if we can get Go Big Redcast guys on like Honky and maybe uh, Husker Army, those guys that have hung out with us before. I think it'd be an absolute hoot. So if you guys are down for it, we'll uh, we'll make sure we make it happen. Well, congratulations good. on 100. That's awesome. Hey, that thanks. Awesome. Thanks. You guys are getting close to 300 yourselves. So um, for those who haven't had a chance to hear those 300 episodes, where can folks find your podcast? You can find us uh, anywhere you get your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. And we don't tweet a lot, but we're there. <laughs> Alrighty. And uh, Scott, where can folks find you? Yes, folks. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott GenRedPod. That's Scott with two T's. Second T is silent. You can follow me there for all sorts of updates and crazy news. And uh, I do want to just say really quick, I have a, an announcement to make. Um, Twitter will know about it sooner or later. But um, we're going to have uh, another Husker fan. Nice. New generation. New generation of red. Thank you. Uh, And he's going to be a boy. So we're going to have a little boy. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to uh, let you boys know here on this podcast, uh, celebrating Mm -hmm. 99 episodes of Generation Red. And there's about to be a whole new generation of hopefully a Husker fan. If I do my right, you know, as a, as a, as a parent to indoctrinate my kids in the ways that I see fit, (laughs) um, I will definitely uh, impose Husker fandom on this uh, poor little child. (sighs) Oh, the pain he's in for. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He told, uh, we were, we had Thanksgiving at our house and Scott and Kelsey were there. And my daughter happened to FaceTime all of us right as we were going to go around the room and do kind of the, what are you thankful for? You know, kind of exercise. So then Scott and Kelsey, they were the last ones in the chain of going around the room. And Kelsey just simply held up an ultrasound photo and, Yep. Been a long yep. Time There's going to be, it has been, it's been a rough, it's been a rough year yeah. and a half. Um, that's for a whole nother episode, but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 no, we're, we're really excited. Um, his name is going to be uh, Theodore. So we're, we're going to throw back with, with some, some old school naming. Theodore um, Carter. Uh, no, 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 no. Theodore Michael. He'll have the same middle name as all the firstborn McCorn, McCone children, starting with mine. So that's pretty cool. Oh, yep. yep. I my brother's firstborn son's middle name was Michael as well. So it's kind of a thing my our family Michael. does. So. Yes, yes, yes. So, so that's really exciting. Um, yeah, here's hoping. This is what I'm thinking. So when my dad had me, right? lots of national championships happened in that, in that short period of time. So I'm really hoping we get mm-hmm. like three national championships in the span of four years after he's born. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how we're going to, we're going to go to a natty next year based on, based on this trend. So just <laughs> no, be I, ready for that. That'd be a neat trick. Anyway, you can, uh, Follow myself and the show at GenRedPod on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Generation Red is the name of the podcast. If you want to listen to the audio show only, that'll be available sometime tomorrow morning. Um, we 
drop all the audio from all of our streams right there on your favorite podcast apps. So make sure you're subscribed. Give us a like. Also, don't hesitate to give us a review if you listen to us on Google Podcasts or iTunes. Or you can just go to genredpod.com and you can leave a review for the show there on our website. All of our uh, social media links are there as well. And you can listen to or watch any of our past shows right there on the website. So genredpod at gmail.com is our email address for any comments, suggestions on the show. We'd appreciate you reach out to us. We really appreciate all of you watching. We really appreciate all of you who are listening to this podcast after the fact. And thanks to you guys, Justin, Derek, and Tyler. It's been way too long since we hung out on a stream together. This been is, has been an absolute blast, and uh, we love you guys. We love hanging out with you. So on on behalf of the Husker Cuscast, he's Scott, I'm Ken. Together we are Generation Red, and we are here to chronicle this Husker's eventual return to greatness one podcast at a time because there's no place like Nebraska. And Iowa's corn sucks, believe it or not, more than the college football playoff committee. <laughs> I don't know, man. That might be a tie there. Might be a tie there. Anyway, again, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much. Poll question. There you go. Poll question. Yeah, throw that poll out there, Scott, now that folks know where to find you. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again, game. everybody. And uh, go Big Red, right? Go, go Big, Big Red. 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 See you all next time, sometime in January. <laughs>